What's up, guys? Welcome to Demo with Mo. I'm your host, Monique Simmons. We'll be discussing dating, engaged, and married objectives from a young Christian's perspective. Are you guys ready? Let's dive in. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to a new episode of Demo with Mo. I am your host, Monique Simmons. So glad to have you guys joining me on today. Today's topic is going to be a little different from what we usually discuss. For the past couple weeks, God has been putting something on my heart to share and something that I've never really publicly shared. People that's close to me, people in my circle, my church family, it's something that they know about me or something that happened in my life, but it's not anything that I really publicly share and it's not because I'm trying to hide anything, but it's just one of those things where if it's not asked or brought up, it's not something that I mention. But for the past couple weeks, it's been on my heart. I'm not sure why, but I am being obedient to what God is telling me and where he is leading me. So today's episode, we are going to discuss the time that I went to jail. Some years ago, back in 2015, I got a speeding ticket. I got a speeding ticket, and I'm pretty sure I was traveling out of town, either on my way out of town or on my way back home from out of town. I I was stopped. I got a speeding ticket. I reached out to a family member. Let me put this disclaimer out there. I'm not telling anyone to do this. I am just telling you my experience and the things that led up to me going to jail. So I reached out to a family member, told them about the speeding ticket. Oh, they said, don't worry about it. I'm going to reach out to so-and-so and have them get the ticket dropped. I took their word for it, and I honestly out of sight, out of mind. It never crossed my mind again. I thought nothing of it. I'm sure this family member handled it. I should have followed up. Who I am now, (laughs) I would have followed up. I should have followed up. I would tell my children to make sure that they follow up, but I did not. I did. It was out of sight, out of mind. Well, a girlfriend and I, we were on our way to a women's ministry conference. It was early Saturday morning. It had to be around 7.30, 8 o'clock. We were on our way to a visiting church, a church that we go to every year for this same Women's Day conference, and I got pulled over. I think I may have ran the light, or the light was changing as I was going under it. So we get pulled over. I'm driving. My girlfriend's on the passenger side. I get pulled over. The officer comes to the window. I'm not thinking of anything of it. License and registration. I give him this information. It takes him a little while to come back to the car. I'm having a conversation with my girlfriend, thinking none of it. I'm about to get this ticket. My husband's probably going to be fussing at me about this ticket. That's it. That's all that crossed my mind, and we're on our way to this conference. Let him go ahead and finish so we can go ahead and get to the women's conference. Well, he comes back to the car, and he says, Ms. Simmons, if you will step out of the vehicle. You guys, I freaked out. I was like, what do you mean? At this time, I'm still on the outside, I am calm, but on the inside, I'm freaking out. What do you mean, step out of the vehicle? So I get out of the car. I tell my girlfriend to call my husband, let him know what's going on at this point. Just make him aware. Because I still didn't know what was happening and why I was getting out of my vehicle. But that was my first thing, to let my husband know what's going on. Call him and let him know what's going on. So I get out of the car. The officer says, he begins, he puts me on my car. Tells me to put my hands behind my back. 
I'm getting emotionally even talking about this. I'm sorry, guys. Like I said, this is nothing that I publicly have discussed before. So he tells me to put my, my hands behind my back, and he begins to cuff me, put me in handcuffs. And he says, you have a warrant out for your arrest. And I'm like, a warrant out for my arrest? Why would I have a warrant out for my arrest? So he gets me to the car, puts me in the backseat of the car, and he was a nice officer. Don't get me wrong. It was just the experience of it all. And as I get in the car, he puts me in the car, closes the door. I think he ended up telling my girlfriend that she could take my car. And I don't even remember the details after that because, to be honest with you, it was all a blur. Once he put me in that back seat with those handcuffs on, it was all a blur. So he gets back in the car. He begins driving. And he's telling me what happened. He's telling me why. He's telling me about this ticket in so-and-so county. And there's a warrant out for your arrest because you didn't come to court. And I didn't explain or try to justify anything. I'm just listening to what he's saying. So I told you, I was on my way to a women's conference. So I'm dressed up. I have on heels. I have on makeup. My hair is done. And I've never been to jail before. I've, and this is a Saturday. Oh, this is a Saturday morning. For you, for those of you who do not know, if you go to jail on the weekend, usually Friday evenings after the courthouse is closed, if you go to jail on the weekend, you have to stay until that Monday when you can see a judge. So all this stuff is playing out in my mind. I look nice. I have on makeup. My hair is done. All this stuff is playing out in my mind. And I'm going to have to spend the whole weekend in jail. So I'm crying. I am boohooing. Like the snot running down your nose, crying. I am crying. I am crying. He tried to put some music on for me. You know, just in a very indirect way, he was trying to comfort me. Because he knew, I guess, by looking at me and probably seeing my history, it's not like I'm you know, someone who goes to jail or someone who gets in trouble, that kind of trouble anyway. So he plays music. He tries to make conversation, but I am just, it's a blur. I just remember crying. So we get there. They're doing my fingerprint, booking me in. I think it's what it's called. I think that's what it's called. But they're getting my fingerprint. I don't even remember all the conversation there. But once they got done with that, they allowed me to call my husband. Call my husband. I'm on the phone, boo-hooing, just telling him what happened. He asked him, okay. He's like, I'm going to get you out of here. And I'm like, they already told me that I have to stay all weekend. I am just so upset. I am so upset. But I am trying to hold it together on the outside. But on the inside, I'm just freaking out. So up until this point, to this very point where I'm discussing in this part of the story, I had not talked to God yet. I have not, I had not even went into prayer, anything at this moment, not yet. So what happens is, and I don't even know why, because it was not a lot of people there that ended up putting me in this holding cell by myself. And the, the holding cell was really big, but it wasn't barred. It was a door, like a big metal door. And there was no windows or anything. And they put me in this room and it's light in there. I had light in the room. And it was at this very moment where something clicked in my mind. Okay, Monique, this is this is what it is. You didn't go to court. You didn't pay your speeding ticket. I could have justified it. I could have made up all of these things because I thought the ticket was dropped. But you should have followed up. This is your responsibility now. You got to take accountability. This is where we are. What are we going to do now from here? So I'm sitting down in the holding cell. 
at this point, I'm still crying. But now when they close the door, it's like what I was feeling on the inside began to show up on the outside. I was crying. But now it went from crying because I was scared and it was out of fear. Now I'm crying because I'm crying out to God about all this going on. So I'm like, God, this is where I am. This is where I have to be. I don't know anybody in jail. I don't know what this experience is going to be like. All I know is what I've seen on TV, and it paints such a negative picture. But I know wherever I am, it doesn't matter where I am, even if I'm in my home where I feel like I'm safe or in a, in a church building, in your prison, it doesn't matter where I am physically. You are with me. You will never leave me. You will never forsake me, meaning you will never physically leave me. To not forsake me means you will never turn your heart away from me. So I am I am talking to God, and I'm just, I'm having a whole conversation with God. At the same time, I'm crying, but it was just like a peace came over me. And I cannot explain it to you in words. All I know is when I got done talking to God, I feel at peace. My circumstances had not changed. My situation had not changed at all. I was still in this holding cell, getting ready to go into this area with all of these women in jail. Like, none of that had changed. It was my focus shifted from what I was going through physically and what was getting ready to happen to the God that I served and how he was there for me. And no matter where I am, he would still be there. Your circumstances and your situations change, but your God does not. And he reminded me of that. And it was just like this peace came up over me. Stop crying. The tears were done. The tears were gone. I got myself together. And I was in there for a couple hours. So this wasn't this wasn't like some quick prayer, you know, you throw up. It was hours of talking to God and really sharing my heart with God and how I feel and what I needed from him. And so they finally come and get me. They take me to get my clothes off. And this is the most humbling experience. So this is where you have to strip, take off all your clothes. It was a female correctional officer. I had to take off all my clothes. And if you've ever watched on TV shows or movies or you've ever been to jail yourself or you have a family member or someone in your life who maybe has shared this experience with you, but you have to, without going into all of the details, you have to cough and you have to do certain things so they can make sure that you don't have anything in any of your body parts, nowhere on your body. So after this, the correctional officer, I really hope that by the end of this, you can really understand how I felt. But it's one of those things, and I've told this to the people in my life that I've shared this with. It's one of those things, words does not do it justice. Words are not enough to explain this experience to you. So the correctional officer, is we are getting ready to go to the back, she said it's going to be okay. And that was just reassurance for me that I that I needed. God knew I needed that. So we get to the room, we get to the back, and it is it looks like a big a big dorm room to give you a picture. But it was a lot of women in there, and it's bunk beds lined up from when you walk in all the way to the back wall. And I didn't know what to expect. 
But I told you, God has given me his peace at this moment. So I walk in, me being who I am, you know, I spoke to each person that I walked by. They showed me my bunk. They gave me the stuff that I would need. So when I get in, I go to the bathroom and I come back to my bunk. And my plan was, this is what I said in my mind. I'm going to stay in my bunk and I'm going to stay there the whole time until Monday morning when I can get out of here. I want to go from the bathroom to my bunk. And that's all I plan to do. God had something completely different waiting on me when I got there. So it was the young lady laying on the bunk beside me. I was on the bottom bunk. And she was telling me just how she got here, this guy she was dealing with, everything. And we kind of built a relationship as far as as close as you could get to somebody in jail when you're not going to be there long. And she felt comfortable talking to me. You know, she just was sharing everything with me. And at this point, I really wasn't sharing anything about myself because I did not know what to expect. So she's talking to me and we're building a relationship. And she was very tall and kind of husky. Like, if you look at her, you would be scared of her just based off her look. You would not bother her. So, you know, I was glad that she was beside me because I'm like, if, if there was, cause I didn't know what to expect. If there are any issues, people would see her and they may be afraid of her. And because she has kind of made me her person here and she's talking to me and she's with me all of the time. I'll be fine. You know, that was just my thought process. So we began to get lunches. They would bring our food to us. I was not going to eat any of that stuff. So what I would do is I would offer my food to the people that were around my bunk area. You know, you want this, this. And what they would do is they would offer me stuff. They was like, um, with it being the weekend, you won't be able to buy anything from the commissary and you're going to need this, 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 and this. But don't worry about it. I got you. So. They would give me stuff. A young lady gave me feminine products. Thank you, God. A young lady gave me feminine products. Someone else gave me a toothbrush. And there was some other things that I was given in in return. And they didn't even want anything in return. God was all in it. They didn't even want anything in return. But what I would do is give them my food because I wasn't eating any of it. So I would give them, like, different things that they wanted. And some of the ladies there would the stuff because they were going they're going to be there for a while it's not like they're leaving on monday like i am so they would store different things and the more i would talk to the young lady that was in the bunk next to me that came in when i came in the more other people would gravitate to me because like i said i was only going from my bunk to the bathroom and remind you this is saturday morning i will have all day saturday all day Sunday and would leave on Monday. So the more we would talk, her and I were having conversations, but it would make other people gravitate to us. So other people would come near my bunk or sit on the floor beside my bunk or sit on the end of my bunk and I would just begin to talk. I didn't think anything of it. I was just being myself. I was talking to people, and people began to share their life stories with me and how they got there. And a young lady, she was molested when she was a child, and then it was just a cycle after that. She would get into abusive relationships or get with men that didn't mean her any good or who would use her. 
one lady was getting ready to lose custody of her children. I'm sorry. Like I said, I don't talk about this publicly. So I didn't even know I would feel this way about even talking about this. One young lady was molested by her father. It was just so many things. It was so many things. And the whole time in my mind, all I could think about is if it was not for the grace of God, this could be me. Because there were so many things that happened in my childhood, in my teenage years, where I made bad decisions or people hurt me. And I could have responded in a completely different way. My circumstances could have been totally different. It could have been where I didn't come to know the Lord, where I could have rejected God and things could be totally different for me. And I'm just listening to these women and I'm hugging them and I'm praying for them. And when I was in that holding cell and I was talking to God even before I went into this room, I did not know what God was going to do in this situation, but I was trusting him with the outcome. So this is Saturday. We're talking. We're watching TV together. So I go to sleep. So Sunday morning, we get up and I'm a little sad because that weekend was my church's anniversary. So I had talked to my husband because we had a phone in the room and you had to pay. I think it was like money on a card and my husband had paid for me to be able to call him a few times throughout the weekend. So I talked to him that morning and he was talking about getting the kids ready and get ready to go to church for the church anniversary. And I was really excited about the church anniversary. So I was, I was legit sad about it. I was sad that I was missing it. So after I get off the phone with him, there was a group of ladies that circled around in the back because the phone was in the front near the door. I'm looking because I don't, I haven't been here long, so I didn't know what they was doing or what they do on Sundays. So I haven't said anything. I'm just watching, you know, the ladies, they have Bibles, and they're sitting around in this circle together. And I asked the young lady that was at the front near me, I was, what are they doing back there in that group? What's going on? She was like, it's for those who want to read the Bible and want to talk about God or share things. She said they do this every Sunday. Those who want to, it's volunteer. You know, it's not anything that you have to do. It's just for those who want to. And I was like, wow, God, wow. That's just in my mind. I just, what's unfolding in front of my eyes was I couldn't have even imagined it. I couldn't have even, even thought that this experience was going to be like this for me. So. I walk to the back where they are, and I don't remember how, but someone gave me a Bible. I think it was their Bible. I'm not sure, but some kind of way I ended up with a Bible. I was not going to say anything, you know, try to push my Christianity on anybody. I was just following their lead. I didn't, because I hadn't been here. This is my first time. I didn't know what they do or how they go about doing it. But that Saturday before with a lot of the ladies that I was talking to, because we were like in a big group that previous night, that Saturday, they knew that I was a Christian because they asked me about different things and it came into conversation. So one of the young ladies that was a part of the group, she was one of the women that I had talked to the night previously. She said, Monique, do you mind interpreting 
what this means. They were reading the verse because they had already got started before I got back there. And she said, do you mind interpreting this? She said, we had a lady uh, from this church ministry. And I think she said they came once a month. And, you know, she would kind of answer their questions and talk about different things in the Bible or, you know, stuff like that. And I said, no, I have no problem with that at all. I said, I don't know everything, but I will interpret it to the best of my ability. So we began, they began reading the scriptures. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, this is what he's talking about. And the scripture that the young lady was asking me about was the scripture about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. and He had went and met Jesus late that night because he didn't want anybody to see him mean Jesus. And Jesus was explaining to him, you know, that, you know, that you must be born again. If I had to sum that verse up, I encourage you to go read it for yourself. As always, you guys know that I always tell you this, but Jesus told him that you must be born again. And Nicodemus is confused. He's like, how can me, a grown man, go back into my mother's womb? What do you mean I must be born again? And Jesus began to explain to him, I'm not talking about a physical birth. I'm talking about by the Holy Spirit, we must be born again. So I'm beginning to share and read, read the verse to them and beginning to share these different things with them. And we, each lady, they go around a circle and each lady um, references a scripture that they want to read or they talk about something that they're going through or something that they're needing prayer about. Each person had the freedom to do whatever it is they wanted to do around the circle. So as we begin to finish up and close out, God was like, offer salvation. Ask them about salvation. Talk to them about salvation. So at this point, I told you guys I'm being obedient. I, I had no idea that this was going to unfold in this way. So as we get ready to close out, um, I asked the ladies, if you don't mind, because we were all sitting down. You know, some were in chairs, some were just sitting on the bare floor. And I asked the ladies, if you guys don't mind, if Anyone here who is not saved, who has not given their life to Christ, and I'm not forcing this on you, you know, this is not something that you have to do, but I want to give you the opportunity if you have not given your life to Christ and you want to give your life to Christ and you want to be saved, because this is following up after me reading that verse about Nicodemus and being born again, and that's what it's all about. And there were ladies, there were ladies who began to raise their hands. And say, I, I want to be saved. And now the tears are just flowing with everybody. If I'm crying, everybody's crying. And I go to each lady that had their hand raised. And I pray for them individually. And after I pray for each of them individually, I ask them if we could all hold hands together. Everybody, even the people who did not raise their hand, ask them if we could all hold hands. And if, if I could close us out with prayer. So. I began to pray for everybody, and I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know the words that were coming out of my mouth. I don't know if you ever had an experience with God like that where you are praying or you are encouraging or talking to someone, and it's not your words. And you know it's not your words because once it's over, you can't even repeat back what you just said. Have you ever prayed? And I, you, you hear, you hear the words. It's like you're there. You hear the words coming out of your mouth, but they're not your words. These are not thoughts that you formed and put together. And that's what it was. 
I didn't know all of these women individually. Some of these women I had not even talked to the day previously. I didn't know about their specific situations. And things were coming out of my mouth that each person could relate to and understand. I was just in awe because I know for a fact that that was the Holy Spirit. That was not me. You guys, as believers, we are just vessels. We have no power. It's not us. It's not us. We are nothing. We are but filthy rags. We are finite creatures. We are nothing. It's only by the power of God and Jesus Christ that we are able to do anything, that we are able to share, that we are able to encourage, that we are able to minister, where we are able to do whatever it is that God is calling us to do. It is only by him through us that that is done. So I am just in awe. It's seven years later, talking to you guys, I feel as if I'm in that experience and in that moment again because it's, it's nothing that I did. It was not me. I was being obedient to what it is that God was telling me to do. And the outcome was beautiful. Those women who would not be leaving that next day like me, those women who would be facing years, those women who would be losing their children, who don't have a support system, who don't have anybody to call, who don't have anybody to encourage them but each other, those women begin to hug me and tell me, thank you. This is one of those things that is hard to put in words. You would have had to have been there. But now, when I left, y'all was smiling when I left that place. I was smiling because God did something so beautiful. And I don't know what happened after that. I don't know seven years later where those ladies are now. But what I know is God planted something there that day. He did something so beautiful. I used to read, and I still read, but before this experience, I used to read about Paul. Paul is one of my favorite apostles, disciples in the Bible. I love Paul. I used to read about Paul and his experiences in jail and how he said counted all joy and how he said he learned how to be content in all circumstances. And I used to read this stuff and be like, how? How do you count it all joy when you're going through things? How do you count it all joy? And that day, I began to understand on a whole nother level how I can count it all joy because the people on the outside, my friends and my family, my parents, my husband, they were scared for me. You know, like I said, you only know what you see on TV if you have not personally experienced or you only can go by what other people say. But that whole time in there, I was at peace. I had joy. God is good, y'all. God is good. And I did not mean to cry like this. I didn't even know this was going to come up out of me. But I hope you can just get the gist of that experience and how your circumstances what you go through, what you face in life, the things that you're trying to avoid, the things that you're crying out to God and you're saying, hurry up and take me out of this situation or I don't want to go through this. Oh, Lord, I can't hang on any longer. It's too hard. I encourage you, like Paul, to count it all joy because you don't know how what you're going through is going to help someone else, how it's going to encourage someone else how it's going to make you stronger in your faith 
how it's going to help you to withstand when new storms come and when new trials come or how it's going to encourage and increase your faith in the God that you serve that no matter what I face, even though it's hard, even though some days I want to give up, even though sometimes I don't want to go through this, even though sometimes I don't know how I'm going to make it, you trust him. You count it out, Joy. You learn to be content in all circumstances. Now I understand what Paul was talking about. Now I get it because my God does not change. And not only was it for those women in that jail cell, but that experience was for me. And you know what I did with that experience? I didn't, because a lot of times we go through stuff, you know, we are ashamed. We don't want to tell anybody. We don't want people to judge us. There is nothing in my life, unless it's something that affected my husband and my children and my husband flat out said, Monique, let's not share this. If that is not the case, it is nothing in my life that I will not share. Because what happens is when you are confident in who your God is and the grace that he shows you and the mercy that he extends to you, you're not afraid. You're not afraid for people to judge you. You're not afraid for people to condemn you. You're not walking around in condemnation because what the enemy does, he wants you to have shame. He wants you to be afraid to share certain things in your life. And what he does is continue to use it against you. Tell you, you're not a Christian. If you was a Christian, you wouldn't still be doing this. If you were a Christian, you wouldn't think like this. If you were a Christian, you wouldn't say this. Don't tell them about that. They're going to judge you. Don't tell them that you went to jail. They're going to be like, I thought you was a Christian. How you in jail? <laughs> there is nothing, nothing that I won't share about my life, good or bad, because it will always bring my God glory. That's why I love God so much. That's why I'm not ashamed. That's why... I will talk about my faith and talk about my salvation and talk about how good my God is, no matter the circumstances, because I've experienced that for myself. Satan can't shame me when you're afraid to share and when you only want to share certain things. Satan will use that against you. But when you're bold, not because of who you are, but because who your God is, he won't be able to use that against you. So I encourage you to be obedient, even in the hard times even in the trials and the situations that you, it feels like you're not going to make it. You don't see how any good could come out of this situation. I walked out of that jail happy and with peace because that day some souls were saved. That day there were some women who gave their lives to Christ. And the angels in heaven was rejoicing. Y'all, when I left that day, I told my husband and the girlfriend things that happened. I got home. I got in the shower. I cried and I cried. And I'm sure I stayed in my shower for a couple of hours. And I cried and I cried and I cried. But it was not sad tears. It was happy tears. And all I could continue to say was, God, I thank you. I thank you that you allowed me to be a vessel that you could use. I thank you that I was bold enough to tell these women about you. And, Lord, I thank you that some of those ladies gave their life to you that day. After that, a few weeks later, um, we had Bible study, and I shared with everyone my experience and 
what happened because when God does something in your life, don't keep it to yourself. There are some people who need to know what God can do. There are some people who need to be encouraged. There are some people who are in some hopeless situations and they think this is it. Things will never be better for me. But I'm here today to tell you, it does not matter your circumstances, what you face, your trials, your tribulations. God is there. God loves you and he cares. I encourage you, if you have not, cry out to him. I'm talking about if you need to cry those ugly tears with a snot is rolling down your face, whatever it is, you ain't got to give no sophisticated, pretty, say all the nice words. You don't have to do any of that. Cry out to God. Tell him exactly how you feel about life right now. And I promise you, he will show up for you. That peace that I received that day when I cried out, is nothing that I can put into words. But Lord, I thank you. So today, I hope this has encouraged you. Again, I apologize for all the tears and all of the emotions that came out of me that I did not even know was going to come out of me. But y'all, that experience for me was so beautiful. It just took my relationship with God to a whole nother level. And each year I'm trying to go higher and higher and know him better and better. And But it taught me something. It taught me I could be real. I could be genuine. I could be honest. I don't have to put on for nobody. And I don't. <laughs> I don't. So I hope this has encouraged you and helped you on today, wherever you are in your journey. And if you are listening to this and you don't know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, I encourage you right now, if that is you, in this moment, you don't have to wait till you get to a church. We were in a jail cell. It does not matter where you are. All you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God and that he was raised from the dead and that he's now sitting at the right hand of the Father. And you shall be saved. So if this is you today, you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior of your life. I ask that you ask him to come into your heart on today. Remember, I love you, but God loves you so much more. I'll see you guys next week. Bye. you guys have enjoyed follow me on facebook at demo with mo if you have any questions you would like answered here live on my podcast email them to me at demo with mo at gmail.com that's d-e-m-o-w-i-t-h-m-o at gmail.com